1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. CFOs and controllers, there's a better way to manage cards, expenses, travel, and reimbursements. You need a unified spend platform from Brex that lets you control all your spend in one place, automate compliance, and close the books faster. Get started at Brex.com.
0: As I and this podcast make a more concerted effort to focus on Instagram and engage with you and hopefully find new listeners, some wonderful things are happening. And one of those is I'm connecting with artists and performers that aren't normally in my circle of actors and theater folk. Today's guest is, in fact, a singer-songwriter who's already released five albums and won awards for her work. Yet she's only 17. I guess you could consider this episode to be an extension of the Young Artist series I did last month. And it really is a joy to talk to Sydney Irving as she shares the highs and lows of her young career.
2: When I first started playing, like for the first year, I would just get so nervous. I didn't want to talk to anybody before I went on. I just wanted to sit with my thoughts and worry and stress out. And then I was a a nervous disaster.
0: (laughs) Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Why I'll Never Make It, or Win Me for short. One of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and each week I explore the realities of a career in the performing arts with fellow creatives, challenging the notion of what it really means to make it in this business. The website is whyallnevermakeit.com. There you can support the work of this podcast by donating. You can make a one-time gift or join as a WinMe member and get access to bonus episodes and video content only available to monthly supporters. For more information, go to whyillnevermakeit.com and click on Support. When it comes to theater, we all know Broadway and the big lights of New York City. There's also organizations like The Public or Playwrights Horizons that present notable off-Broadway productions as well. But for the most part, stage work is done by small to mid-sized theaters across the country, Some bring in equity actors, but a lot of them don't. They are simply gathering together actors, directors, and designers to put on a show to entertain and engage local audiences. Well, the music industry is much the same way. There are A-list stars that go on The Tonight Show and sign record deals with Sony or Motown Records. But most of the music being produced in America... Is done by smaller independent artists who simply love the joy of performing and songwriting. Sydney Irving is someone who was born to sing and perform. You can hear it from the moment you press play on any one of her five albums. As a native of Syracuse, New York, Sydney's first album was released when she was only 14. And her latest is an EP that just came out in May and last year she was twice named Artist of the Year by two different organizations. Being a teenage female singer-songwriter, it's probably no surprise that she looks up to Taylor Swift and was inspired by her to pick up the guitar and start writing music. But Sydney's influences don't stop there. She's into Barnes-Courtney, Post Malone, and Ryan Adams, but also surprisingly she pulls a lot of influence from older artists like ACDC, The Doors, and her current favorite, Tom Petty. We will certainly be talking about those influences and how they've impacted her own singing and songwriting. And you'll even get to hear a song off of her latest EP, All I Need Is You, at the end of this episode. But first, we talk about the early success that she's had in her career and the hard work it took to get her there as well as her disregard for social media and why she prefers other ways to connect with friends, family, and especially her fans. After getting a chance to meet and talk with her, I certainly count myself among one of her fans. And I'm sure by the end of this episode, you'll be one too. Well, hi, Sydney. It is so nice to meet you. So nice to have you here on the podcast.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I really, um, really appreciate it. Today, I had to go to school, so this is way cooler than school.
0: (laughs) Yes, we will definitely be getting into that uh, because you really balance a lot when it comes to your your schooling, your career, your home life, personal, professional. It's all kind of uh, this one big circle of things that you're just trying to contain, so if you had to pick a word to describe the kind of artist that you are, or, or to name what you bring to the stage, what do you think that word would be?
2: Hardworking. Um, I never stop working and trying to improve. Um, and so I think hopefully people see that when they come and see the shows and they gradually hopefully get better and better every time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How would you compare that, that first show when you said you were so nervous to where you are now and that journey that you've taken as a performer?
2: Yeah, the first time I ever um, performed in front of people, like going out as my own my own show, um, was at a pumpkin patch um, near my house called uh, Tim's Pumpkin Patch, and um, I had all my songs together. And I was so nervous. I was like, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to get in front of people, and I'm I don't know what I'm going to do. I hope it goes good." And I remember being so nervous beforehand, and I think. Over time, I've gotten less nervous. I definitely still get nervous because I think if you don't get nervous, you just don't care as much.
0: Yeah, it definitely heightens our senses. We're, we're kind of a bit more on edge, but in a good way because we, we want mm-hmm. it to go well and we're kind of making sure that everything is, is lining up as we go through the performance.
2: For sure. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Does having the mojo behind you help or do you find it easier to sing solo?
2: I think there's definitely a perk to both singing solo, I get to kind of freelance and do whatever I want to do. So if I want to extend this song for like, two more minutes, I can do that. And if I don't, I can just kind of stop the song whenever I want to. And I don't have to look around and tell anybody. Um, With the band, though, it's just a special energy that the band brings and to have that power behind you.
0: And when you're on stage performing, do you play a part? Or do you feel like it's a part of you?
2: I think it's definitely a part of me. I think there's something very special about getting on stage because I feel like I can truly be myself.
0: You had mentioned hardworking, and you have recorded five studio albums, you've played music festivals, and you even won the Young Adult Artist of the Year at the International Singer Songwriter Association Awards. And you've done all of this by the age of 17. Does it feel like a dream some days?
2: I think some days it feels like a dream, but. I think you have to always get better and improve. And so it's important not to get caught up in dreamland too much.
0: So do you say that this really feels like a a, a job more than just a a hobby, something you're just doing for fun?
2: It's definitely both because if I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. And so writing's kind of like the hobby part of it and performing is the hobby part of it. There's always like the other things that are like the like, not as fun parts like um, social media, um, having to like post and stuff. I don't I don't love social media. I think it's I think it's fun. But at the same time, I think it's kind of a necessary evil because um, it's just constantly like I need content. I need pictures. I need this. I need this. And gets overwhelming sometimes.
0: Yeah, it can definitely be all encompassing. I mean, whether it's me just as a person or as an actor, but also this podcast, it's something to create, as you said, create that content, just create, say something, take a picture of something, you know, but but make it meaningful and it has to be right and has to, do, you know, make mm-hmm. sure you're you're doing this and saying that. Yeah, it can yeah. be a way of, I mean, you're trying to present yourself, but do you ever find that it's hard to be real, to be authentic when it's on social media?
2: um that kind of barrier between like the pictures and who you actually are is definitely a big thing because if you look at a picture of somebody you're not actually talking to them so you don't know what they're actually saying and I think typing words is also kind of the same thing because if you do a caption on a picture it's different than if you actually spoke to the person Um, and so you can kind of read something however you'd like to when it's on the internet
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that. I think that's been one of the things that the pandemic has taught us is that just seeing people on Zoom or, or just commenting on this or seeing them on Facebook and connecting through the different messaging apps that we have is is a good way to at least find out the nuts and bolts about what someone's up to, but to really get to know them and experience them and, and have those emotional connections, it's it's just really tough without it being person to person.
2: Definitely. I think that's something that over time, people have just kind of valued less and less with social media and with uh, all that kind of technology
0: yeah i would I would tend to agree with you. And in what ways would you say that your your young age has been a benefit to you, and in what ways has it hindered you? Do you think?
2: I don't know I think um, I don't know if age really matters. I think age is just a number. Um, You just kind of got to be whatever you want to be. I think probably the hindrance would be having to go to school instead of (laughs) being able to play guitar all day. (laughs) Um, But I think there's an advantage of um, being able to have school because you don't have to have a a job in the back of your mind like, oh, I got to go to the office, but I play guitar. You know what I mean? I mean, you still got homework and stuff. So I guess it's not, it's not, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. forget and, I said that. <laughs> and, and, and how do you balance uh, the high school life with uh, performing gigs and festivals and all that?
2: Um, I try to get the homework done and then I get to play guitar. So I kind of, I like s- schedule it a little bit. Um, and right now I'm doing online school. So I do the the Zoom classes and between classes, there's a little bit of time. And so I can sit down and play guitar or, uh, make a poster, write a song, or something.
0: Yeah. Do you see college in your future, or or do you think that you you'd rather go to kind of the school of hard knocks and just kind of get out there and do it?
2: We were actually just talking about that the other day. Um, I think I'm not sure yet. Um, I have to apply, so if I gotta go. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a value in both, um, but. As of right now, I, I kind of want to go and just try it out on my own and just go full force music. Um, and if I decide later I'm going to go to college, then I'll go to college then.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly something to be said for, uh, you know, for experience and learning as you go, which which you've kind of been doing already these these past many years. But, uh, but yeah, but there's also, I know for myself... I kind of learned more about who I was. And yes, I had some theater training that helped. And so there, there is that educational part, but there's also just the learning more about yourself and kind of growing into seeing what you don't want to do, what you do want to do, the kind of person you want to be. I, th- I think there's, there's, there's both benefit to being in college as well as kind of going out on your own. So I'm sure whichever one you choose, you know, you, you'll definitely learn something. Thank you. Thank you. Now you've been nominated several times for best singer songwriter in the syracuse area Music Awards, but you still haven't won yet. How does it feel to fall short every year?
2: oh man it's honestly it's a it's an honor to be nominated um I, I think know people say
0: that but but you know it's it sucks it, right it really is though <laughs> oh,
2: I mean it's definitely it's a little disappointing, but you know it's whatever. I think anybody that is nominated is fantastic I think honestly. Anybody that puts out music, that's so cool. Um, and so really the award is to be able to put out music and have people listen to it.
0: Would you say that that would be how you define success right now? Just being able to have a listener to connect with an audience?
2: Definitely. I think anytime I can have someone listen to my music is is a win. Anytime I get to sell a CD at a show is it just means so much to me because it's something that I've worked so hard on and something that I put so much time into. And so to have someone listen to it and hopefully like it is fantastic.
0: And we kind of touched upon it with, with the social media. And so I'm wondering as a performer, does it still feel very personal to you? Does it ever feel like a product, a business you're going to work? It kind of becomes routine. Does it ever balance back and forth that way?
2: I think it's always fun because it's always different. Every single day is different. Every show is different. Um, And it's just going in and expecting it to be different and awesome.
0: (laughs) So so it's all about attitude, really.
2: Oh, yeah. you, You have to go in positive.
0: So when it comes to the kind of writing that you do, does your writing come from wanting to tell a story or are you wanting to elicit a certain emotion, you know, with those listening to you, kind of what is the vibe that you go for when writing?
2: It depends on the song. I think um, some songs I write because I'm feeling a certain way and certain songs I'm writing because I want to tell a certain story. Um, It just depends on what I'm feeling that day and what I want to say in that moment.
0: Are your songs a bit of a of a diary?
2: Kind I think of? some of them probably are, uh, just because over time I've listened to people like Tom Petty and um, like Ryan Adams, and they write about their lives. and I think that's a really genuine to be able to tell your own story.
0: Do you ever feel like that you maybe reveal too much? That it gets too personal? Are some songs harder to write because of that?
2: Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think. If I didn't want to say it, I wouldn't write it.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. And many of the artists that you draw inspiration from uh, have either have either passed away, they don't make music anymore, you know, some of those classic musicians that inspire you. So, I mean, they certainly aren't musicians that teenagers listen to these days, uh, for the most part. What is it about these older artists that uh, that helps you, that influences your own writing and singing?
2: I love the real instruments. <laughs> I love um, just the stories of like when bands would go into the studio for a week and they would bang out a whole album. I think that's so cool. Um, and just the fact that there were no phones and stuff, I think makes it very special because um, it's just a different insight into life. And it's all about feelings and emotion.
0: Yeah, I think there there was something because there was no internet, no social media back then, then it really could be more focused on the creative process, the art. You weren't having to basically put on an act or a persona in order to to get noticed. It could really just be about here's the talent that I have and it either resonates or it doesn't with an audience. Mhm,
2: exactly. And radio was kind of different because um, the songs weren't like made with a music video um, a lot of times, and so um, the music was the music, and uh, it's like uh, MTV killed the the radio star because <laughs> right. now everything's like very visual, which I think is also very cool as well.
0: Yeah, it certainly opens up a new avenue to to tell the stories that you write about.
2: Sure. So we make uh, music videos for for my songs. Um, Not all of them, just a couple of them, but um, they're all on YouTube and that's a different facet of creativity for me to be able to come up with a concept and put the music to images.
0: And how involved are you in the music video part?
2: Pretty involved. I think it's like a team effort. So it's me and uh, my management and and my family and we kind of start and we're like, okay, this is the song. What do we think? could go with the song as a picture and I kind of like, well, the song's about this. So maybe like we could do this. And then everyone's like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we could like do it like this. And, and somehow by the end of it, we managed to have some sort of a concept.
0: (laughs) Okay. Good.
2: But I just try to be as honest as I can and, and write from the heart as much as I can and try to put forth what I want others to hopefully, like and be able to see who I am as a person.
0: There's this phrase, there's this term called imposter syndrome, where we as artists, and it's certainly something that it applies to us, but as well as other professions, but this sense of, I'm not sure that what I have is good enough. I'm not sure that what I have to say will resonate. Does that ever come into play? Do you have those doubts about yourself sometimes?
2: Um, I think everyone has doubts. I think it's important to just remember that you're you're your worst critic. So you have to just push forward and and be as confident as you possibly can and just push through those moments.
0: What would you say your inner critic criticizes the most?
2: Um, Like when I have bad writer's block, because I get it from time to time, um, I'm like, oh, I'm the worst songwriter ever. I'm never going to be able to write another song. Um, And so I think, that's probably where it is. Or um, if I can't hit a note in a song, then I'm like, Oh, I'm the worst singer. I can't even do it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but I think everyone has those kinds of moments. Like if you're in math class and you're like, I can't figure this out. I'm never going to be able to do the test. You're going to be able to do it. It's okay. You just got to practice.
0: Do you have a a, a trick to kind of get you out of that writer's block?
2: Um, I have to, turn off my phone and put it somewhere else and just kind of think about stuff and think about words. And I like to write down like words that I think sound nice together. So I'll write down like a phrase or a, I'll write like a couple paragraphs that rhyme. And usually that kind of does the trick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just about starting, getting the juices flowing and and see, see where it goes from there.
2: Mm-hmm. And just observing your surroundings. Cause I think a lot of times you stop observing your surroundings and you're too worried about like, Oh, I have this coming up. I have to get this done. I have to do this. And you don't just take a breath and just take everything in.
0: Yeah. I would imagine that time management is a, is vital to your schedule, to everything that you're trying to, to balance.
2: Mm, It's kind of a a struggle sometimes to get everything done, but it all gets done. So it's okay.
0: Now, are there things getting back to to your high school experience? Are there things that you feel like that you're missing then from a typical high school experience, extracurricular activities, or things like that?
2: Sure, I think with music, I haven't been able to be as uh, school involved, which I guess was kind of my choice because I, I wanted to go full music. Um, but like I, I played soccer in middle school, and so I, I wasn't totally deprived. Like I, I got to do fun <laughs> stuff. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't get to go to my prom, but last year nobody went to prom, so it's okay. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. With COVID, yeah, you just kind of scratch that year. And, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But
2: like this year, we have prom, and I can't go because I have um, a show that day. Uh, but maybe I'll, I'll get dressed up just randomly and be like, "All right, we're going to Costco, and just walk around in a in a big dress."
0: <laughs> or, or maybe for your gig that night, you can just wear your prom dress, and that's how you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well that's what we were thinking. My dad said, you know what you should do? You should just wear your dress and be like, hello everyone, it's prom night.
0: <laughs> right. And then you can like bring out all the love songs you've written or you know, the, you know, all right everyone slow dance, you know, keep your distance. It's slow right. dance
2: time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sydney is certainly dedicated to her music willing to even miss her own prom in order to work and focus on what she loves most doing. So what is it that would lead a 12-year-old to start writing music? A 14-year-old to make her first album? What is it that drives her to perform and keep coming back to the studio again and again? In the second half of this episode, I asked Sydney about those motivations, how she got started, and what is it that makes music so special to her? And just a technical note, you'll notice the sound quality is slightly different for Sydney in this portion of our interview. But her answers are nonetheless honest and insightful about the passion she has for singing and songwriting. What was it about... The stage performing that invited you, that piqued your interest at a young age?
2: I think like watching musicians, like just watching them get up on stage and just do what they love to do and have people resonate with that kind of thing and connect to their lyrics and uh, go to the shows and watch them perform and create a bond with the person. It's just kind of like a magical thing for me. And um, ever since I was probably about 12, I've just wanted to do the same thing.
0: What was your first experience on the stage?
2: I think my first experience on the stage was, I did uh, dance when I was younger. And so I was like, I had my little tap dance outfit on and I was like, maybe like four. And um, I I was pretty good. I think I kind of had the moves down. So <laughs> kind of <laughs> killing it.
0: And did that ever make you want to go into musicals or plays or anything like that?
2: Oh, yeah. I think as I got older, because dance kind of like I just stopped doing it because as you get older, you you do stuff and they just kind of stop doing it. Um, and when I got to middle school, they started doing the school plays and I got into those. So I did the seventh grade play and the eighth grade play. And I just thought that the stage was just a fascinating thing and being able to perform for people. I just loved it.
0: What made you, I guess, drift over more toward the music side rather than musical theater, per se?
2: Well, Taylor Swift was probably a big part of that because, um, when I was like 10 or 11, I think she put out like the speak now album or the red album. And I just really connected to the lyrics and I just loved how she could write a song and, and play guitar. I thought that was so cool. And I was like, I want to play acoustic guitar too. Cause I was like, that's so cool. So I, um, got my first guitar when I was nine and, um, I started writing songs when I was 12 and, uh, I'm still doing it. So I guess it's kind of stuck.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Your your father gave you a guitar whenever you were nine years old. However, you didn't really start playing it as soon as you got it, did you?
2: No. Well, it was, it was a white electric guitar and I didn't want an electric guitar. I wanted an acoustic guitar. Um, and it's kind of like the same concept, but they're kind of very different in my head um, because I think you have to plug into an amplifier for the electric guitar. And I kind of associated that with like distortion and stuff. And at that time I really liked like Taylor Swift and like, um, like Jack Johnson and they both played acoustic guitar. And I thought that um, that was just kind of what fit me the best. And um, now I'm playing uh, breed love guitars and uh, I, I still love the acoustic guitar so much. I'm getting more into electric guitar though. So.
0: Now has the guitar kind of become an extension of yourself now extension of your creativity?
2: For sure. I I have like a single guitar that I just love to death. Um, It's my Breed Love guitar, and it's actually right over here. But uh, (laughs) I write all my songs on it, and uh, I tend to bring it anywhere I go. So if I don't have it with me, it feels kind (laughs) of (laughs) weird.
0: Right, right. So so you even travel with it, whether you're performing or not, you just like to have uh, your guitar on you?
2: I guess so, because I don't really go to a lot of places without it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... Did you have to, as, as you started to, to write at this young age, did you feel like that you had to find a voice or, you know, because you're listening to all these artists who, who have albums, they, they've been performing, they've been singing for a while. Did you feel like that you had to find your, your own voice? Did you want to sound like them? Did you put on a voice? Like, like, how did you go about finding that?
2: Well, when I started out, um, I think it was just kind of like whatever came out. I just kind of went with, I think over time, I've just tried to find what my sound is. Cause I think every artist has to find their sound and what they want to say and who they want to be. Um, I think I just put out my brand new album, Relax with Fiends. And I think it's definitely as of right now, what I feel that my sound is. It's kind of like an indie rock kind of a, a acoustic guitar based thing. Um, and I'm really happy with it. and it's important to be happy with that because it's, it's your voice and who you want to be. And uh, you have to define yourself in music. Otherwise you kind of get lost in the background.
0: Is the the voice that you use to sing, is it something that would you say comes naturally? Do, do you, do do you train it? Is there a certain way that you maintain that vocal strength and ability?
2: I've never done vocal lessons. Um, so kind of whatever comes out is like, my voice untrained. I've done a couple, like you go on YouTube and you find the tutorials. And so I'll watch those and like, watch the vocal warm ups that people will do and kind of try to do them. But um, I've never taken a vocal lesson. So it's kind of organic, all natural. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're the self-taught musician, so to speak.
2: <laughs> Apparently.
0: <laughs> but I, I assume you went to lessons for the guitar though?
2: Yeah, I started lessons when I was like 10 or 11, I think, um, with Lauren Kruskowski, who um, is uh, my guitar guru.
0: And would you say that any of your experiences, both as a, as a dancer or, or doing the the school theater, that kind of thing, would you say any of that played a part in how you were able to bring yourself on stage as a singer and a musician?
2: I think confidence was just kind of a thing that built from first getting on stage and being able to get on stage in front of people. Um, And so it definitely helped a lot with that.
0: I bet. I bet. Was was there nervousness at first? And then, (laughs) yeah, I bet.
2: I think when I first, started playing, like for the first year, I would just get so nervous. I didn't want to talk to anybody before I went on. Um, I just wanted to sit with my thoughts and worry and stress out. And then finally, when I got on stage, it was totally good. But beforehand, it's just, I was a a nervous disaster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Were those early performances just you by yourself?
2: Uh, I was just me and acoustic guitar until I was probably about 15-ish, which is when um, the first Band formed, and uh, I got to go and, and play out at various places with the band, which is one of my favorite things of all time.
0: Yeah. And, and this band, this, this backing up trio of uh, musicians, you call the Mojo. And so, is that uh, working with them? Is that, is that uh, are you kind of the leader of the band, so to speak, or is it more of a collaborative effort?
2: I guess so. I don't know. I think it's very collaborative because um, everyone will bring a song and we'll decide like what we think fits best because I would love to do things like Quiet Ride" and stuff, but I personally can't sing it. You know what I mean? Um, so we kind of all have a voice in the project.
0: Now, you're not just a musician, you know, as a guitarist and vocalist, but you also write your songs as well. How do you know when when a lyric, when a melodic hook is right, or 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 do you constantly tweak it to the very end?
2: I am constantly tweaking the songs. Um, when I first start writing it, uh, it's on my bedroom floor, just by myself and my acoustic guitar, and it usually starts with um, either a lyric or a melody, and it goes from there and like I'll write a verse and then I will rework like half of it. And and then I'll sit there and debate if I want to say the word the or a uh for like two hours, <laughs> but up until we record, it's usually not totally done.
0: And um, when it comes to, the music video. When it comes to the, the the performing on stage, the writing. Is there a certain element of the whole process that you most look forward to? One that, if I could just do this the most, that this is the one I would want to do.
3: Oh
2: man, it would either be writing or performing because they're both very different. Um, performing is practiced and everything is like mapped out, and the songs are finished. But with writing, it's a totally new perspective every single time. So um, you're going into a song with a different headspace than you did with this song. And um, if you left off on that song, and you have to go back to it, it's just being creative and thinking outside the box. And it's a totally new experience every time.
0: Hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, thank you. This has been such a joy to get to know you, pick your brain and see what it's like to be an, an artist constantly creating
2: well thank you so much for having me on i i had a blast
0: okay well we've certainly talked enough about it now it's time to actually hear sydney do what she does best right the song you're about to hear is called all i need is you and was actually the last song recorded for her current ep sydney was actually almost done with the album in march of 2020 But uh, something happened that month. Um, Oh, right. COVID changed everything. And it was during those COVID months that Sydney wrote this stripped-down, country-esque song. After months of not seeing her producer, Steve Sopchak, she just wanted to finish the album. So they came up with the idea of running a mic out of the window of Steve's house so she could record the vocals from his porch. So, on a hot and sunny August day, she recorded the vocals for All I Need Is You, which ended up on her EP. The version you're about to hear is from a live promotion she did celebrating the release of her fifth album, Relaxing with Fiends. To your voice. Um, and that's really why I was asking about your voice, because it seems so, and I'm sure you hear this from time to time, that you sing beyond your years. You know, you don't sound like a 17-year-old per se.
2: Thank you. Uh that's kind of come with playing, I think. When I first started, um, my voice was really high and it kind of sounded like a chipmunk. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> over time, like just performing for so many years, it gets deeper and more like, yes, this is the voice, this
0: is the one that, yeah this is the one <laughs> well no i I always I mean you know having having a beautiful soprano and certainly a musical theater it's it's lovely to hear those kind of those kind of descant high voices, but there's something about an alto it's almost like Whenever, whenever I listen to it it's it, like I kind of stop it, it just makes me oh oh this is good this is good and, and I, I don't know I, I can't explain it but it's just something that for me personally uh, a nice rich alto voice is is very inviting I, I think it there's a certain way that it it can tell a story you're listening to the voice of a soprano but you listen to the words of an alto
2: mm-hmm. I like that that's cool
3: need yeah. yeah. this
0: Thank you so much for listening and joining Sydney and myself in this conversation. If you know someone who you think could benefit from an episode like this, then please share this podcast with them. And if you're a WinMe member, don't forget to listen in on Friday for the final five episode. For information on how you can become a member and gain access to bonus episodes like the final five, go to com. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. Publicity provided by Imagine PR Group. Incidental music in this episode provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join me next time as we talk more about why I'll never make it.
1: CFOs and controllers, there's a better way to manage cards, expenses, travel, and reimbursements. You need a unified spend platform from Brex that lets you control all your spend in one place, automate compliance, and close the books faster. Get started at brex.com. 18 plus.